Hi there and welcome to the Book Realities Podcast, a series of interviews with independently minded authors where we explore their books, their writing techniques, and what made them become a writer in the first place. I'm your host, Ian Hooper, and as well as being an independent author, I also run the Book Reality Experience. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Book Realities, our series of interviews with authors. And we're joined again by Murray Hall. Now Murray's been on the show before, but he's coming back today because he's releasing a brand new book and this time it's a fiction novel. G'day Murray, how are you? Yeah, terrific Ian, thanks for having me back. No worries. So what's the new book? What's it all about? Uh, well, I'm glad you asked. It's called Unlikely Barons and uh, it's, uh, it is a story of fiction although it is also inspired by some real events, but it's fiction or it's classified as fiction because we don't use real names in there and um, in orders that align 100% with uh, the real facts. So we've classified under fiction. Very good. Now, your previous book was Walk a War in My Shoes, which was a World War I non-fiction account of your great uncle's experiences. And you released that about five years ago. So has this fiction novel been brewing since then, or has it was it an idea inspired from long ago? Uh, yes, it was an idea that was inspired from long ago. So I lived in Broome in the 90s, and uh, I think since then I've had the concept of the story in my head, and it's been in there for a long time. Uh, I think uh, having the, the first book, Walk Away in My Shoes, went quite well, and it, it inspired me to sit back down when the timing was right and, and uh, I guess all the stars lined up as far as uh, being available, being semi-retired, et cetera, and the story continuing to get stronger in my head that I sat down and started work on it. So, Okay, so in a nutshell then, what's the story about? It's about two characters that uh, were in Broome in the 90s and Broome was the Wild West it's on the fringe of the desert there and there was a lot of things that went down there in that era that I remember quite well and some of them weren't all that tidy so the two main characters there they are business person people um, but they get they get tied up with the underbelly of the town and they become drug dealers and uh, we talk about their lives and their loves and uh, some of the skullduggery that they get up to and the difficulty that they have when it's time to get out of the trade. It's a good yarn. And when you say it's fiction but inspired by real events, is it really fiction or or have you just changed the names or have you added in bits and bobs to the story? I guess, in all honesty, there's there's a line down the middle and it says this is the basis of the story, okay? Now, off to the side of that, is a million different little stories that are inside all of our heads that we've grown up with. We might have learned something at school. We might have seen something in the pub. We might have uh, seen something on the news. Parents taught us, heard a joke, whatever. And there's a million of those little memory sticks that are in our head. So some of the characters that I have used there or have had memory of, I've used the memories in my head or one of those little stories, some of those little stories to add bits and pieces all over the place. So majority of the story in the book is true because it's come from here and it's come from memory, but it doesn't necessarily glue to that basis of the story, which is that line down the middle. 
that makes sense? Yeah, it does. So basically you've taken a fabric, but you've woven extra tapestry in and around it. You've changed the pattern of what was actually there. You've made it a bit more colourful and you've taken all the boring bits out, which is good yeah. for the yarn. Absolutely. That's exactly how it's worked. Yes. It works for me. I'm not stand, I'm not uh, suggesting every author that writes fiction works in the same uh, methodology, but that's how I've done it. Very good. So the people that are in the book, you say some are based on memory. Um, who are who are these people? Uh, some were my friends. Some were my work colleagues. Some were people that I genuinely knew um, and some I invented. And would the people that you worked with or the people that you knew, would they recognise themselves or have you managed to obscure them enough that they, they might think they're some of the inventions? Um, highly unlikely that they would recognise themselves and if they did, they would be the people that might recognise themselves are not likely to put their hand up and say, that's me. <laughs> so your main two characters are um, two friends, Cat and Dodger. Their real names are never revealed in the book, so they go by their nicknames. Yeah. Um, do you think they're lovable rogues or are they, they the type of people you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley? No, they are lovable rogues. They're the sort of guys that you would sit down not knowing that they're tied to the underbelly, uh, that you would sit down and have a beer with and a chat and a laugh and and most of the time, if they're not at work, they'd be well-dressed and a uh, nice shirt and tie and well-shaved, you know, nice blokes. They are. And they do come across as nice blokes. Now, we talked about brooms, so everybody in Western Australia and probably everybody in Australia will know where broom is. But for anybody that's watching this from further afield, just give us a snapshot of where broom is, what broom's about, what the history of the place is. Broom's an absolutely magnificent place. It's 2,500 kilometres north of Perth in the top northwest corner of Western Australia. It's on the fringe of the desert. Uh, anyone that passes through there as a tourist, uh, it's the gateway to the Kimberley. Um, it would have the absolute best beach, arguably, in the world. Beaches in the world that go for hundreds of kilometres in both directions. Uh, the town itself is spectacular, but uh, it's harsh too. The, the red pindan dust, it's just built on, on, on dust and clay, and not even clay, rock. Um, it's a very harsh environment and it's extremely hot for most of the year. So if you walked in there as a tourist, you'd sit on the beach, have a beer in your hand, you'd be very, very happy to be there. But if you were there for a long period of time, it is a harsh environment. And you were talking about within the book, there's a, um, a guy whose trade is putting metal roofs on houses. So yeah. given the fact that that's a hard job in temperate climates, what that must have been like in the 40 to 50 degree heat of a broom wet season is unimaginable. Uh, absolutely. And the, the rooftop temperature dealing with, with steel roof sheets, you can probably add another 10 degrees or so. They've got to wear gloves and all that on the roof when it's already 50 degrees or 40 degrees out there. Um, so it's not an easy job. Nearly every house in Broome is, uh, because it's a cyclone area, is a steel framed, steel clad, steel roofed house. Um, they're pretty basic to build, uh, but they're good and they're solid and they're obviously held down considerably better than what a Perth house might be, for example. But hard work, yeah. So you're talking about the steel industry and you're talking about drug running and broom during the period of the 90s. There's drink involved, there's 
occasional fights in the book. Um, are you painting Broom in a bad light? I hope not. I don't intend to. Um, I love Broom. I think it's a magnificent place. I still do. I've been there recently. I'm not trying to paint the town badly, but you you can't walk around with a bucket over your head, Ian, and ignore what really exists in life. And there is a cultural divide that was there 30 years ago. That cultural divide is still there today. The underbelly side of the was there 30 years ago. I assume because of the size of the town and the transient population that it still exists today. You can't ignore those facts. So we're not painting it in a bad light. We're just painting no. it in light. Yeah, and and um, let's be real about what what really happens up there. What really goes? It's not just that town. It's any other town that's major. We just happened to, to have found our town. Very good. And um, within the book, there's also a little bit about robbing banks. How do you know about robbing banks, Warren? Um, okay, so this is absolutely true. There's people that uh, I've met who I knew who lived in that era and worked in banks and told me stories. Because this isn't the bank robbery of a guy with a balaclava walking in. This is good old-fashioned white-collar bank robbery with nobody getting hurt but money disappearing left, right and centre. Correct. And it's fascinating. I mean, the details that are in the book are hilarious. Um, <laughs> and the book is funny. Now, we should also talk about the fact that the book is probably not for anybody of a, uh, a gentle language nature. No, we should make that point. If um, if you go into any bar, and, and I guess a lot of houses these days, that uh, the language might might be a bit freer than it was 30 years ago, but I'm saying quite clearly that the language in the book is, uh, is raw and it's the way people, blokes, at the lowest end of the, of the food chain would talk. So be warned. And the central character, Cat, so I have to ask, is Cat you... No, 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 Cat is not me. But I had an absolute ball building his character. He's a terrific bloke. I love Cat. Yeah, I must admit, from my first reading of the book, Cat is, as you say, he's the type of bloke that you want to come in and have a beer with. He's he's a good guy. And he kind of finds himself in this unusual, peculiar position that he never actually intended to find himself in and spends most of his time trying to figure out how he can get out of it. Yeah, his he's, uh, work ethic and his uh, upbringing is not that of a drug dealer, but he got involved with that by accident, more or less. And then when he tried to get out of it or he thought about getting out of it, it was a lot more difficult than he had thought. Um, but we won't double too much how that unfolded. But, uh, but go back to the, the basic point is, is he's a nice bloke. Yeah. So you had Walk Wore My Shoes 2018. This has been percolating for a while, and you've now bringing this out in December 22. Um, how long did it actually take? I mean, that's a five-year gap between books, but how long did it actually take to write? Uh, the first one took five years because of the amount of research that had to go into that. And I found a format which I've used for myself that I used in the laying down the manuscript of this book, um, Unlikely Barons, in that I'd... I was under no time pressure or timeline to have it out in a particular time. So there was no no one and you were never poking me in the back to say, I need this now. So I was able to write, walk away, think, research, come back, write some more. 
And I think without having that pressure, like I think I did it okay. Um, there was there was the opportunity to get it right, and and I think that we have that uh, that pressure was was sorry lack of pressure was paramount in putting the story down well. So from the first finger on keyboard for this second book too. Yeah, uh, fourteen months from the time I sat down the first date uh, till the uh, release date. Yep, fourteen months. Fourteen months isn't bad at all. That's that's pretty good going for a book that's quite in depth. And you know, when you're talking about the research for the World War One book, which is obviously huge, but even here, there's research that's required. I mean, unless you can remember what the penalty was for drink driving or unless you know what the visiting days are for a prison you still have to go and research that don't you yeah absolutely and you've got to make sure that you've the, the facts or the story that you're writing is correct as well now while the majority of that might be in the in your head it might be tarnished through uh through time you've lost it or you've misunderstood it or whatever so yes the research is critical and there's i guess seriously there would be 500 different uh, points of interest that had to go and be researched to make sure that that they weren't just rubbish. Excellent. So this one comes out in December 22. Uh, hopefully a couple of big book launches up in Perth. If we can manage to get the bookshops to come on board, that'll be good. What next then? Another book? Never say never. You asked me the same question uh, when we got the first one out and uh, I wasn't sure then, but now we've got the second one out and you know, even before um, Unlikely Barons was finished, I mean, in the last few weeks, I've thought about what next. And um, two things come to mind. Firstly, ideally, that uh, an Australian film company would come banging on the door and uh, would want to immortalise Cat and Dodger. That would be fantastic. Um, but as far as actually writing a book, you know, the, the thought occurred to me the other day is that the next one would be uh, The Daughter of Cat because you've read the book and that would follow quite nicely. And there's already a couple of threads in there about that. So the daughter of Kat, keep it in mind. Eh? Very good. I'd be looking forward to that. Now, before we leave, anybody that hasn't watched the first interview with you, we should probably talk about who Murray Hall is, um, because you haven't always been a writer, have you? Uh, no, far from it. No, this uh, just come to me late in life and just... It grew by accident as well, and I, I absolutely love doing it. I've found a passion to sit down and write and to, and to put stories on paper. I'm really enjoying that process. But in my normal life, prior to the first book, I was in the mining industry for 30 years. Before that, I was in broom building houses, and there was other things that went on. And uh, I also had a good career as an athlete. I rode, uh, I rode a push bike. I was a professional bike rider for about 14 or 15 years. So I had a good career early in my days, yeah. And and you are modest when it comes to riding a pushbike. I mean, this was pre-Lycra days of riding a pushbike. This was when, <laughs> this was when you put pushbikes in. <laughs> you, you, weren't, you weren't that old, Ian. But yes, you are correct. With a wool, wool preceded Lycra. Yes? And the pockets were in the front, yeah, and like, like here. And you could keep your cigarettes in the pockets for what I can see from most of them. Um, but yeah. you were quite good at it. I mean, when we talk about quite good, you represented Australia um, for how many years? Uh, I had a few a few Aussie jumpers on my back. I went to Commonwealth Games. I won a couple of silver medals there. I went to a couple of world championships. And I rode a lot of other uh, category uh, one events in Europe and all over the place uh, where I represented Australia or wore, wore that 
jersey. Um, I won a couple of uh, British championships, won a championship of Berlin. Uh, I think I'm up to about 16 Australian championships. So I had a good run. Good work. And it was because of you and all your Aussie mates that the Brits changed the rules, wasn't it? Yeah, that was correct. Uh, the In 1973 or four. There was a few Australians over there and we went to the British Championships in Leicester and we won nearly every British Championship. And about a week later, they had a big meeting at the British Cycling Federation level and said, well, no more Australians, but you've got to be uh, British origin, otherwise you can't ride. <laughs> Fair enough. And you could see the point. I mean, the Australians yeah. would do the same if a whole bunch of Irish or Kiwis That's came across and kept yeah. rocking that up. Yeah. yeah. By invite only at Australian level. <laughs> Well, listen, it's great to chat to you again. It's great to catch up with this new book. Um, Pre-orders are not available for the book. We're hoping that it gets a lot of momentum because it deserves it. It's hilarious in part. It's poignant in other parts. It's quite emotional between the two uh, main protagonists. And I think it's a fantastic um, book. So congratulations. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that very much. No worries. We'll catch you next time round with you the will. daughter of Cat. We will. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this latest episode of Book Realities, our interviews with author series. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and turn your notifications on so that you never miss any content updates from us. If you liked this episode, leave us a rating or a review as it really helps the podcast's visibility, as does passing the pod on to any writers or author friends that you may have who you know will be interested in it. And join our exclusive mailing list at www.bookreality.com.